Hello, everyone. I'm John Manning, and welcome to another edition of A Life in Construction. Joining me today is Nick Graciani with Watson Bowman. We are in Indianapolis, Indiana today. Nick, how are you, sir? Doing good, John. Doing good. So give us a little background on yourself, my friend. Let's see. I've been uh, been with Watson Bowman for just over eight years. I'm the DOT expansion joint guy. And my background before that has been in uh, uh, concrete repair, um, waterproofing, sealants, uh, all things kind of chemical and uh, protection related for concrete. Good. How many more years you got to go? Uh, three, four, I think. Oh, come on. I'll be ready to retire. <laughs> no, I got a while. I got a yeah. while. Good for you. So what's your title and position? Regional manager. And what territory Bridge, do you have? Bridge, tunnel, Midwest. Midwest. How, which, many, how many states is that? Which is 14 states from North Dakota down to Texas and over to Ohio. The traveling man. Yep. A little bit. Right. A little bit. Well, thanks for bringing us to your territory, man. Glad you guys came. Right. So, Nick, we've got our guest here today, Mr. Drew Story. Drew, you're with Mott McDonald. That's right. Can yep. you give a little background on yourself? Tell us what you do, what, sure. your, what your expertise is. Well, uh, welcome to Indianapolis, I guess, yeah. um, because uh, I, I can I can certainly tell you that I'm born and raised here in Indiana, uh, spent 10 years of my career uh, with Indiana DOT, which is exactly where I got to meet um, Nick. And um, now I, I've, I've been with Mott McDonald. Well, I've actually been with Mott McDonald for just over a year. But before that, we were the Kircher Group. So Mott McDonald came in and acquired our, our firm. Yeah. Um, and the Kircher Group and now Mott McDonald uh, Division um, of Asset Management, we focus on asset management. So um, all things kind of related in the transportation industry from pavements and bridges and, and fleet, uh, culverts, all cool. kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, welcome. Thanks, man. I, I'm glad to have you here, uh so that kind of, that's our topic today, right? Asset management. We'll kind of touch base on that. Maybe we'll get a little political. I don't know. Talk about maybe the federal dollars coming in too. See how that works. See what your opinion on. No, I on think that that's is. a good idea. Yeah. Um, it's a it's certainly a hot topic in not only in in the industry, but I mean this is this is public topic, right? I mean oh, everybody um, in the U.S. is talking infrastructure, and and for many years the um, what was it uh, a few years ago the ASCE. Uh, kind of graded. We have a C C rating on, on infrastructure. I think. Yeah, I think that I got a note somewhere. It's like uh, I don't know, fourteen thousand bridges have C ratings or something right, like that, right. just in so, this state alone or something. Yeah. So somewhere. I mean, yeah. here we are. The public is concerned about it. Um, it seems like Washington has responded with just an injection of cash, and uh, asset management is really sort of at the um, is really the key of kind of figuring out how to use those dollars. So sure. So explain to us, what is asset management and how is it relevant to the construction industry? Well, I think um, um, asset management would, is, is, is planning. You know, you're, okay. you're, you're using uh, the information that you have to really develop a plan and an asset management plan. And uh, so, you know, you think of kind of like, um, like your car. Um, you, 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 you buy a new vehicle. Um, beautiful car and you want to, you want to make sure that you, you get all of the value out of it that you possibly can. Sure. 
as many miles as you can, you know, take, take it full advantage of all the features and functions that are right. in that new ride. And so the, the thing that you do is you go to your user manual and you figure out, okay, I need to replace the oil every, I don't know, 3,000, 5,000, 6,000 miles. Um, you got to replace the windshield wipers every so often and um, go in for service. And, and so, so you, you have an asset management plan for that asset, that single vehicle that you purchased. Um, but let's just imagine you have 500 vehicles. Right. Um, not yeah. the whole fleet. Yeah. You, you have to develop a strategy for not just the one individual asset now, but the whole fleet. And you have constraints. A lot of times those constraints are dollars. Sure. I think that's the number one thing that people yeah, will go to. Probably. Um, but the other one is time. And every once in a while, there's some political pressure. And some resources, I suppose. 100%. Right? Yeah. 100%. So, um, you know, that's what, that's, that's what asset management is, is, is really kind of developing a plan a strategy, considering all the constraints that are a part of this, um, you know, this, this owner responsibility, um, dollars and resources and all of those things. And then really trying to like lay that plan out so that everybody beyond us can, um, can actually manage to the best of their ability to. Uh, is this becoming a bigger trend in the industry? I would say that, um, I mean, it is. Uh, so I actually also serve as a city councilman in, in my city. And oh, cool! How long have you been doing that? Uh, long enough that I don't cross. I don't look both ways when I cross the street. Um, <laughs> uh oh. But uh, no, this is. I'm, I'm in my first term uh, in in my third year, and one of the things that I realized when I started as a city councilman is, um, asset management is something in a local agency that sort of starts out organically and then all of a sudden some you know a light bulb goes off and someone's like oh my gosh this is a really good idea we should do this everywhere right oftentimes it is in fleet um you know those are those are assets um that uh that tend to you know you have re recurring kind of expense every so often you have a maintenance strategy well next thing you know uh, these agencies are kind of scratching their heads saying, maybe I should do this with my bridges and my pavements and my, my culverts. And, and, and so, yes, that trend has, I, I think has gained some popularity. Um, uh, I think a big reason was kind of uh, 2008 post 2008, 2009 local agencies, uh, federal government, state government, they started realizing that we don't have quite the revenue to supply into our assets. And so we have to figure out ways of being really effective and efficient with those dollars. Um, so does that, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that that does. Uh, so a, a lot of the DOTs and, and the local counties and municipalities are, are they turning to, to the asset management groups as well? Yeah. So a few years ago, the federal highway um, told state DOTs um, that they were required to submit something called a TAMP, a Transportation Asset Management Plan. Oh, nice. And um, so all 50 states and I think two territories are, are now kind of developing these strategies um, and actually projecting out into the future what their needs are and, uh, and, and you know, kind of really doing some gap analysis to help, um, look, you know, elected officials um, understand what the need is so that they can then supply the resources. Yeah. Um, so. I think the federal highway did a really good job at the state DOT level to, you know, to really set that standard. This is what it's going to be. This is what, you know, Congress wants so that they can tell a story 
um, to Congress when they're asking for something like a $1.2 trillion <laughs> injection of cash, right? right? Yeah. Um, and what I think is really interesting about some of the recent legislation is it it's literally called the bipartisan infrastructure legislation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, that BIL uh, is, is something that, wow, Washington agreed on. Um, that yeah, it's going to be Biden's legacy. Yeah, and and I think there'll be a lot of people in Congress that hang their hat on, you know, they they did their part in kind of yeah. reaching across the aisle to make sure that our crumbling infrastructure at least has a little bit more than what it had before. Um and so yes, I think that the uh I think that that state DOTs um have really sort of kind of catapulted into this kind of this this world of not only knowing what they have but but knowing what they need. And I think asset management has really kind of been sort of the, uh, the the key to that success. So I guess if there was a plus and minus to everything, what that be for asset management? With let's say, for example, uh, the DOTs, pluses would be organization, probably right, and I think a so. plan. Yeah, yeah. So well, what's what's really been um, kind of neat? You know, again, I, I spent ten years of my career with Indiana DOT, and and I've had the opportunity to kind of watch asset management. It, um, um, sort of mature into something that 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 the agency uses to really direct all of their resources, and I'm I'm not just talking about capital investment. You know, I'm talking about uh, the 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 investment that they make into maintenance um, and preservation, and 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 how they how they you know, staff their employees. Right? Who are the experts that we need? Um, and I think that's a real positive. You talk about organization, right? Yeah. We have specialists, you know, specialty yeah. now in, in this market, in this industry um, that are, that are, I mean, geniuses, you know, just geniuses. And they're applying some really basic, you know, um, I don't know. Sustainable solutions. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Forethinkers, for thinking of the future, and like you said, preservation, that's, that's huge nowadays, isn't it? You're seeing a lot of that now, with the DOTs and at the federal level, and yeah, uh, preservation, right? I mean, that that's taking care of what you have, um, so that so that it doesn't cost you money in the future. And uh, I think I think most of us, most of us can relate. You know, I, I give that car example earlier, but yeah. uh, may, maybe a home. Um, when 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 you have a, <laughs> actually, I stayed in a hotel last night. Right. Um, the roof, my room was soaked. <laughs> um, they actually had five gallon buckets in, in the room, really nice hotel, but, but I, I don't mind, you know, I, I could have probably slept on a dirt floor. Um, but, but the reality is that hotel is not trying to resolve the problem in that room without fixing the roof. So maintaining that roof is a preservation activity for them that keeps the rest of the hotel in good shape. That's a good analogy. So, so I think, I mean, I, I do that on my home. I, I know my home, I need to have a roof put on every, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Um, I'm, I'm not going to wait till year 50 when my floors are falling apart because my roof is leaking. I'm going to replace my roof at year 30. And so, I mean, that's a preservation activity, not just to keep my roof in good shape, but to keep the rest of the house in good shape. And safe. hundred percent. Safe. You know, talking about, uh, I always like to talk about safety and the safety culture of the industry. What's the safety culture like at, at your organization? Well, it's actually, it's, it's. It's it's really kind of brilliant um, the way they have sort of inserted uh, these safety uh, uh, expectations into the organization. You know, when I first started, and and 
in the industry, I, I kind of, we, we had these like safety talks and somebody maybe may get injured and we would see an email or the yeah. supervisor would walk around and tell you, you know, make sure you wear your hard hat. And, yeah. and you know, we kind of rolled our eyes and a lot of that stuff just seemed really, really, um, just, just obvious, you know, just really obvious kind of stuff. Uh, in our organization, I just, I love it the way we start every meeting. Um, we start every training session, uh, with, with safety conversations and, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it's, it and they're not always the same, right? They're no, all, they're, yeah, absolutely not. Everything's always different. something different. Yeah. Uh, always a different challenge. Yeah. This week we, we actually talked about, um, uh, fire protection. The, the topic was fire protection. The theme was fire protection, but in, in, in fire, reality, fire protection and like what substance well, like, in reality, the, the, the specifically we talked about surge protectors that you plug into your wall. Okay. And, and by the way, we, we talked nothing about work. It was everything about, don't forget when you go home tonight to make sure you check through your surge protectors are actually working the right way. Yeah. Um, so, so in, in our organization, it's been really phenomenal. Mott McDonald has taken it uh, very serious that that safety becomes just a part of our everyday life, everyday culture. Yeah, and and that has made us a much safer organization in the field in the industry that we work in. Um, yeah, it's really gotten big. It's grown over yeah. the years. Like you said, I'd walk out on a job site in a pair of sneakers twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, which was stupid on my part, right? But so, Nick, tonight when you go home, you better check everything. You know it. You know what I'm saying, brother? I'm safe. Safety first. <laughs> so, Nick, when you're on a job site, do you, do you have a little toolbox chat with the, with the customer? Do you guys talk about safety when you're out there? If I see a glaring example of something that's wrong, yeah. you know, I'll bring it up. But, you know, we, we're working with DOT contractors, and they know that, you know. Yeah, they should know. Yeah. yeah. They, they, you never know. I mean, near misses are a thing. No, oh, yeah. Right? Oversight is a thing. Yeah. Right? But it's it's much improved than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, I yeah. feel much better oh, on job yeah. sites these days. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just the barriers. Yeah. Barriers oh. up on the working nights on the road. Oh, it's yeah. Not a fun not a fun thing to do. We've all been there, right? I mean, I'm sure you've seen accidents out there as well. I have. No, I I, I have, and, and it has, it's been scary, too, to, to think how quickly something happens. Yeah. You talk like about that, working, heartbeat. At, yeah. at working at night. You know, a lot of times we get really kind of complacent when you can't see. Yeah, you know, honestly, you like like if I yeah. if I can't see it, it's it's not a risk to me, right? And wow, what I, I mean, I I have failed at that several times. Stepped in a hole when I so you know, I. <laughs> needed to needed to yeah. keep my eyes down. But what scares me is just how quick things can change. Not just the conditions, but just. I, you know, they're driving 65 miles an hour right next to you, yep. John, and that's scary. You it's know? very scary. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So what additional roles does an asset team do as far as working with their, their, their customers? They, so they supply, oh, like management skills and what other assets do they, and value do they bring? You know, it's just not just thinking, right? It's just. Is it logistics? Yeah, so is I, it I think teamwork it, it, is it. Do you have deliverables? Yeah, great, great Absolutely. point. I mean, you know, such a such a big part of of asset management, like I said earlier, is developing a plan, and and you know that that's just when 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 that plan has been developed, then you got to work it. That's literally just the start of it, right? 
Um, and so, you know, one of the biggest deliverables that, that we have as a, as a, as a firm is that kind of that end product is here is your strategy. Um, and, and we find ourselves in a situation where, you know, we, typically we've done a pretty good job of kind of bringing, um, a client along with understanding the principles of asset management. So, so they can hit the ground running when they have this plan in front of them, but, but it never fails that they always have another question. Hey, you know those projections that you gave us and those financial constraints that we we thought we had we had 110 million dollars that we had been planning well our you know our our, our I don't know our, our director came to us and said that he has an extra 20 million dollars now what am i supposed to do yeah well let's kind of go to your plan and see where you thought you might be today as far as performance is concerned and really kind of like walking that uh, th- those folks those subject matter experts kind of through this strategy on how they can, how they can just sort of like pivot and adjust. And I think that's what we become after the plan is developed is really like sort of this change agent that we help kind of manage the change. Sometimes it's in the organization. Sometimes it's with, you know, the, the products that are being selected or the treatments that are getting applied. Um, You know, and, and and it's, it's really about being that, that, that person that can help kind of guide the change um, and, and most of us in, in, in our division, AME, uh, in, in Mont McDonald, we, we've all, we've all been in the DOT kind of atmosphere, the owner, yeah. you know, we felt kind of that pain of an owner. So, so we can understand and we can really kind of like relate to what it's like to be a chain, you know, oh my gosh, change is terrible. A lot of times change is you know, good. It's great. But that's what people have a hard time accepting a lot of times is, is change. And if, if it wasn't for change, we'd never be anywhere. That's right. And, and I'm not here to tell you that all change um, is welcomed. Um, but, but oftentimes, you, I mean, you can't expect a different result doing the same thing. Well, yeah. It reminds me of an old saying of my Wayne Walters used to say, if you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest um, um, sort of uh, roles that we end up serving, you know, after this plan has been developed is, is, is uh, being that kind of owner advocate and, and uh, kind of representing uh, the owner through that change management. Pretty good. Pretty important too. Well, I think I think we we like to think so. Um, I think the, at the at the end of the day, our clients come to us and you know with with a thank you. That that's the biggest thing. You can get oh my it. gosh, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we really feel like uh, we're we're providing not only a service, um, you know, to a value. To, to our industry, but I mean, we, we've become public servants at that point. And, you know, when, when, the, when our client who tends to be an owner of a public asset is really satisfied with where they are headed, uh, or maybe perhaps where we have kind of brought them, what, what we've brought them through, it, it makes us feel like DOT guys all over again. And that feels good, you know, to really be that public It, it could servant. be a thankless job, just like that city council job, right? It's, yeah. you're, you're there to serve. Yeah, and, and to, just to be accepted and, and get a thanks, right? You're right. doing it. You're doing it because you want to help people. You want to help the situation. Yeah. So as as a city councilman, I and, and I want you and probably your list, got a couple great stories about that. Well, I want you don't you, have to touch base on them. <laughs> I want I want you to uh, just kind of frame this in your your mind, John. Uh, you know, I want you to ask yourself, what would you call your councilman for? Because whatever you think that it might be, those are not the calls that I get. Really? I get phone calls that, you know, 
when is my trash being picked up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> why didn't they get my leaves? Yeah. Uh, I have a neighborhood cat that needs, someone needs to take care of. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, I never get a thank you, by the way. No one ever stops me at the grocery store to say thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming in today. It's right. normally yeah. a, did you, I, I read that article in the paper and I'm really upset about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so why take why a is, moment, why is everything going up? Just take a moment, yeah. John, and thank the people that are willing to serve for you. Uh, thank your councilman. Thank your mayor. Thank your county. I don't know, whatever they any, are, right? Any of thank those them. public servants in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, police officers and firefighters, right? Yeah. Where, would we be, where would we be without them? Uh, okay, you know what? So President Biden signed a $1.2 trillion uh Check for the cover for the next five years for across the United States. That's huge. That is huge. And like I said, I, I really truly believe that's going to be part of his legacy and whoever else was involved with it at a political level. Um, yeah. And Pete, uh, uh, what's Pete's name? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Um, you know, an from Indiana in, from, guy from Indiana, Indiana mayor was a presidential candidate. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I sort of believe that, that Pete sort of saw the, the fiscal responsibility, um, uh, or, or maybe the, the fiscal accountability here in Indiana. Um, I think that he, he really saw that there was this just phenomenal impact that was having, uh, the, the legislators that that were investing into infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, both at the state level and at the local level, and and I think Pete also was was like just the right guy to be in the right spot there in D.C. Uh, to help uh, that that Biden administration sort of to understand the value of infrastructure investment, and and I I'm really thankful to say that there was a fellow Hoosier that was sort of representing the interest uh, of of the whole nation. Um, Larry Bird. Well, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the hick from French Lick. Um, yeah, but could be, could be Letterman too, right? Um, but Mitch Daniels, uh, yeah. he served us as governor here in Indiana, uh, and and for for two terms, and he was very fiscally responsible. Now, now a Purdue um, president, doing many of those phenomenal fiscally responsible things there, and and I, I, I like I said, I mean, I I think that Pete also saw that this. This was very meaningful in our state, and so he was able to tell that story. Not, I mean, he was a mayor, right? He was a yeah. local official. Sure. Um, but he also saw it from, you know, at the state level, Yeah. and, and he was able to sort of tell that story at the, at the, at the national level. That's yeah. really good for us. So, Such a well-spoken man, too. Oh, he is. Right? He is. He is. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think this bill, I said earlier, I think that the bill is, is, is just a, an excellent um, demonstration of a bipartisan strategy. Uh, you know, both aisles of the both sides of the aisle agree that this investment is worthy. Um, it's probably not as much as everybody wanted, but one point two trillion dollars is just a boatload of cash. Yeah, you know, and a, a couple other notes that I had on that was, uh, and I don't know how accurate a lot of this is. This is you can don't you can take a look up look it up yourself, but. There's an additional on top of the 1.2 trillion. There's uh, 
there's an additional $40 billion just for bridge repair, replacement, and rehab on top of that that I was reading. That's huge. Uh, the other note I had was there's, uh, where the heck is it? 16,000, I'm sorry, 45,000 bridges are classified as poor condition. Poor. I mean, give me a definition of what poor stands for in in the DOT well, world. Uh, I, I Even mean, just so the, you know, the everybody could understand. I, I, think, I think it's important just to say this. I mean- Yes, we, we the federal government now uses a scale um, or uh, for for, uh, for good, fair, and poor. Good, fair, now, and poor. Now, poor poor does not mean that I'm I'm not able to drive over that structure. That's a good point. And poor does not mean that someone needs to respond to it as soon as possible. Um, so so oftentimes, I mean, you know, oftentimes I think that, that there is a misconception. That if a bridge is rated bad, that I have, or, or excuse me, poor, I have to do something with it right now. In fact, it it may just simply be a marker in time for us to start making a a fiscally res- responsible plan. Mm. Um. So, you know, we we, we really got away from talking about structurally deficient bridges and functionally obsolete. Um. And and we had to we had to fight those challenges for many years trying to explain to the public and to elected officials what st- structurally deficient and functionally obsolete mean. Um, but we are in a place now where most people understand what good, fair, and poor looks like. A lot of them can just look at it and understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So what what I think is important though is that 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 these these owners of poor assets are putting together a strategy, and and um, I actually. Uh, Spoke to a fellow in dot um, just uh, just this afternoon that was telling me a little bit about the investment that Indiana is making on one of their bridges, a really really large bridge, and it's going to take a lot of coordination, a lot of planning, a lot of design, um, and probably a lot of money to replace the bridge. It's going to need replacement sometime in the future, and they're sort of anticipating in the next four or five years they'll probably be in a place that they can fund that project, um, but. But he asked me, he said, what should I be doing just to get me by till? So, well, That's a great and a reasonable question. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good place to start yeah. with a plan, right? Is yeah. what can I do till I get to my next milestone? Yeah. In his in his case, the bridge may not be poor. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure, but sure. all he's concerned about is how do I get to that next step? And um, in, in his case, it, it, it will likely be replacement, but um, but making that wise investment on a poor structure is also important. You know, don't don't just wait till it falls down, right? Right. There may still be actions, maintenance actions um, that, that need to take place. Sure. And you know, I I have always said, um, I think I think a little bit about uh, you know bridge joints for a second, and you know the 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 best bridge joint is the one that you installed today, um, but you don't want to wait until it's the the bridge is bad before you install a good bridge joint. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, kind of this, this fellow here in Indiana is, is, is sort of coming up with a strategy. Do I, what do I do to this bridge joint or to this bridge? Do I put a joint in? Do I protect the underneath? Do, do I put a sealer on? Do I, you know, whatever it might be. And so I think that it's really cool that we can still be planning for good structures, fair structures, and even poor structures. Uh, but they're all going to need, you know, that some of that subject matter expertise that you really find out in the field. 
Right, and that's a re- that was a reasonable question he asked you, by the way. Just because everybody works, for, somebody works for the DOT, doesn't mean they know everything about the infrastructure out on the uh, on the interstate, right? No, there, that's there's right. a lot of smart people out there. Yeah, and you, I'm, you being one of them, I, I think I'm I'm a, just a really I'm a big advocate of of sort of leveraging that network. Uh, I told you I, I've I've known Nick for many years, and and when I had when I had questions about bridge joints, that's the guy that I called, right? Nick, yeah. Um, because I knew that I wasn't the expert, but I knew that I could find an expert. Um, and, and I'm also, I've, I've served in the Midwest Bridge Preservation Partnership for in several different capacities and all these working groups. And, and, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, why do you put all that extra time into doing that? Because someday I'm going to need to know somebody that has an answer to something I don't have. Right. Oh, well said. And so I think that, that, you know, this fella from Indiana that may reach out to me, I'm, 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 you know, I may not be his next phone call. It may be someone else. Um, but yeah, it may be, it may be somebody like a Nick, but 100%. as a resource now, he has a resource. You as a resource, I don't know the answer to that, but Drew may, but if Drew doesn't, he may know somebody that knows the answer to that. Right. Yeah. And I think that has been what has just, it's been really great in our industry. I think the TSP two, the Astro TSP two program has sort of uh, fostered that the, the these these networking opportunities and could you kind of um, like touch base on that the TSP too? Absolutely. So uh, I actually I serve uh, as the the Midwest Bridge Preservation Partnership uh, industry chair, the industry member chair, <laughs> and uh, and I think that that uh, I think that that is a, a really great opportunity. Um, to, to stay connected, but here, here's the thing. Okay, Ashto is uh, has has invested a lot of time and resources. What, what is Ashto? A lot of people don't know what. The, sure, you know, Ashto is the American right? Association of State Highway Transportation Officials, and and Ashto what they what they have decided is it's really important to kind of get these people connected, and and to to keep these people connected, they have sort of created this partnership. Uh, right. There are four regions, uh, specifically the, the four bridge regions, the Northeast, um, the s- Southeast, the Midwest, and the Western. And, and again, it's, you know, these, these states that sort of make up these regions. And, and industry members can, uh, can attend uh, and, and join these, the, uh, these, these partnership meetings. Uh, we have academia that, that, that attends and very well, very, very well attended by academia a lot of guys that are, you know, that are that are looking into some of the innovative technologies mm-hmm. and, and and really moving the industry forward. Uh, but but most importantly, we have bridge practitioners from all over in our bridge industry um, that that are really well connected here. And um, there, there's typically one regional meeting uh, a year uh, held in the region. You know, north northeast again, southeast, right, midwest and western. Um, and then every four years, is that right, Nick? National? Yeah. Every four years, the national meeting is held. And well, you guys have been. Florida, Orlando. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. Right. Um, and well, we, they missed the last one because obviously COVID. That's right. right. So that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. COVID squashed a lot of those regional meetings as well. But Bummer. But the um, the cool thing is that, that you don't just see presentations. Uh, you know, this is not just shaking hands in a, in a, in a yeah. booth somewhere either. Um, but I know Watson Bowman Acme has been doing these oh, yeah. demonstrations, these hands-on demonstrations for many years. 
And there's a lot of folks from the industry that are doing that. And so, you know, you, you really get to solve your problems or at least find the people that can help sure. solve those problems. As part and of have a conversation way. about it and get yeah. a lot of good information background. Yeah. Sure. I know we're heavily involved in a lot of that with a lot of our staff at Watson Bowman, which is a great, great thing. Great committee. Great committee to be on. Yeah. And thanks for that. That's great, man. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at a couple other stats that were interesting. Uh, this funding, right? This is the largest funding for like the bridge market and the road market and the highway market since the Eisenhower interstate system was developed since the 50s. I found that fascinating. The DOTs have got to be loving all this revenue that's going to be coming out. There's $110 billion that are going to go to roads, the infrastructure and bridges, and a lot of it's going to go to uh, internet, uh, electrical vehicles and electrical places to uh, charge your vehicle on the interstate system. Uh, what was the other big one? That Oh, trains, that type, rapid transit systems, those type of systems. A lot of funding is going to be going into that. That's going to be a lot of jobs. That's a lot of dough. A lot of dough going into the, into the industry. Well, I think you're right. And, and I, th- I think what's been really neat seeing this bill come out is, is what you just described. You know, this... How does a DOT react to this? They got to be like, oh, yes, thank you. Finally, right? We've got some funding that we can. I mean, even if from an asset management standpoint, right? I don't don't know that anybody's. um, Let's face it, you know, the the DOTs do realize that uh, it's a really good thing to have the additional support, the federal support, um, these dollars. That's a really good thing. And I think that they're aware of that. But they also understand that there is a challenge to finding the right projects and and being able to um, to deliver those projects in a, in a timely manner, right? And sure. so you know, there there's a bit of a balancing act that you don't just flood the market with um, with uh, with with projects that will then inflate the cost of of materials and 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 labor. And so there, I think that I think what's cool is. I believe that the DOT world um, is absolutely prepared and ready for this type of challenge. Um, and and for a number of reasons, I, I can't help but to say that asset management has been a big part of allowing them to be prepared um, and understanding what financial impact um, or, 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 excuse me, operational impact that that financial um, sort of investment will have. Yeah. So, and, it, and it's not only to the DOTs, but to – to the unions across the nation and all the industry for the union workers, right? The iron workers, right? All those guys, they're going to, this is great for everybody. It's a win-win. And it I, is. everybody's happy about it. And I've heard nothing but good things about it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, this has been an interesting topic today. Uh, Nick, is there anything else you'd like to add, my friend? You know, we're here on location from uh, Crossroads Highway Products and Mooresville Welding. We we were here doing a a road show, which is why we're all in town, and um, had a had a nice turnout from Indot, some local contractors, and uh, just again wanted to 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 thank them for hosting. Uh, it was a really nice job. had a had a good turnout. Had some food trucks here. We had uh, yeah, had some had some. It was a good time. Yeah, right. Had some giveaways, had some swag. Yeah. Yep, everybody left it's with something. Fu- it's always fun. It's always a good time, especially to work with contractors, do some training, get involved, build the relationships, get educated, right? Yep. Good stuff. That's why we're here. 
Uh, okay, well, we're going to bring this to a close. Uh, Drew, I really want to thank you for sitting in today with your unique insight in the industry and your wisdom. And thank you. Thank you for being in office, my friend. You bet. You Nobody bet. Said thank you to you lately. Let me say thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And I'm happy to serve as well. And, and, and I really appreciate you uh, having me on your podcast. And, and I really look forward to, um, you know, to, to following up. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, Nick, you know, you, you, you can certainly keep reaching out to me as much as you'd like, but, but John, feel free. Just give me a shout. Absolutely. And I, I, I will, I look forward to that. All right. Uh, I want to thank all our listeners, of course, as well to another Watson Boomin podcast. I'm John Manning, your host work safe and stay safe. My friends. <laughs> <laughs>